I'm with here with Tim Lim. Hello. How are you, Tim? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm uh, doing pretty good. So Tim is the lead character. Actually, the story is about Tim's character uh, in Death of a Bounty Hunter, our full cast audiobook. Uh, it's also it'll also be available as a novel. But um, one of the interesting things about I'll, I'll tell this story just really quickly because I want to get more into your stuff. But just to just to set up, set this up for people because um, I, a writer friend of mine. Uh, I had mentioned that we were doing this audiobook, mm-hmm. and I was po- I've been posting about it. But we need to get a selfie so I can post yes, about it. Yes, right? yes. Um, but uh, he had said, "Oh, a full cast audiobook. That sounds like a really cool idea. I hadn't heard that before." Well, for those people out there listening in YouTube land, I heard of the full cast audiobook concept from American Gods. So American Gods was released as a novel. It was then picked up by Stars, I think. Um, Sounds right. Or or maybe uh, could have been um, Cinemax or Showtime. I'm not sure. One of those three. It's either Stars or Showtime. Yeah, you might. Yeah, yeah it's one of those two. Anyways. <laughs> After that show was picked up, they went back and made a full cast audiobook using the oh, cast from the show. What? Yeah. So That's I heard cool. that. Thought it was really cool. We have all this audio equipment that we use. We own this. The Recreation yeah. Society owns this. And I thought, you know what? You know what? It's really expensive. It would be incredibly expensive. Millions upon millions of dollars to film this as a movie. Yeah. Let's prove that it's cool by doing a full cast audiobook yeah. and inviting more people in the process. So. Tim auditioned for that. Tim had a great audition, and now Tim is our lead character. Um, and uh, I'm directing it, co-directing it with Nathan Sheck. He, he, Nathan Sheck directs it, uh, co-directs <laughs> remotely, which is kind of cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, Tim is our lead character. So, and, and the story is about Tim's character. There are three different narrators. Tim is one of them, um, but it is ultimately Tim's character's story. Uh, and by the way, if I ever say like it's Tim's story, I don't. I don't. I, I conflate actor and uh, and character f- frequently, but there is a clear delineation between this character yeah. and Tim. <laughs> yes, yes. But I mean, I also like. I say I normally. I don't. Yeah. I'm not just like. Well, Flint is doing X, Y, Z. I'm very much like, <laughs> right, no, like, right. wait, what am I doing here? So yeah, exactly. I, I understand where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah. So here, here's here's where I want to start um, because this is all about like uh, learning collectively how yeah. to do these things better. It's all about storytelling. And that's what I consider myself a storyteller. Yeah. I fill a lot of different roles, but storyteller is the is the main our overarching role. Yeah. And you and I talked about this before we even started this podcast because you are actually uh, an actor you're voice performer. You're a dancer. You're a director. You've done, I know you've done editing before because we talked <laughs> about that too. So of all these roles, um, what is the role that you gravitate towards the most, and what makes you gravitate towards the, that particular role? Um, my my primary focus has always been um, honestly, it's you know whatever capacity. Uh, that would be the most helpful for me personally to be a part of mm. for whatever story. Sure. Um, I generally gravitate towards um, directing mm. because um, I like overseeing the entire process and yeah. I love seeing how it goes from the its idea and to see it go all the way through. Mm. Um, so that's always been like my favorite part. Um, yeah. Like the first time I did my own short out here, where it was literally just me and like three other people. <laughs> nice. We filmed for one day. Yeah. And um, I submitted it to like two or three festivals and yep. it somehow 
because I did that, it was now on IMDb. And I was like, oh, my uh, goodness. That's cool. <laughs> and I, like, made the poster for it, and the poster's on IMDb. And I was like, this is the best moment. And um, it was more just because I was like, oh, this is something that we cr- came together to create. And it's mm. now, it seems like and it's a fi- it's an official thing. And um, that, that I love seeing a thing through yeah. from the beginning to finish. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it really is, it comes down to just the storytelling part. Yeah. If there's a story that I feel passionate about, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the best person to be the, the helmer of that, then yeah. I'm, mo- I'm very glad to be your producer and help you get there. Yeah. But like overall, I mean, I, I do love, like, I do love a visual medium. So mm-hmm. like, that's why like, I love, um, being the director. Yeah. Um, and I also just think that people are so talented. And as a director, you kind of get to work with all of the talented people. And yes. I'm like, I kind of, it's like I get to just nerd out with people who are just so good <laughs> at what they do. Totally, yeah. So Yeah, and that's the role I get to sit on on this project. And, and that is 100% true. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I am not, uh, so as a storyteller, I would not choose, I would almost, at this point in my life, I don't even say career anymore because it's like, dude, what's a career? <laughs> your career is just part of your life, right? Yeah. Um, at this point in my life, I can't imagine myself ever taking on the director role by myself mm. because there are certain things that I don't actually – I don't want to say that I don't care about them because I care about every element of the storytelling process. But there, I realize that I am not the one to do it. I'm not going to know like what kind of cameras I should use, what kind of filters I should use, how I should, you know, how we should set up this particular scene, uh, even blocking the scene. I don't necessarily care about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I am much more interested in. This is where being a writer and a producer for me is where I usually step in. Mm-hmm. Is I'm much more interested in caretaking the story. Now, granted. You have to if you're it, when you hand over the directing to somebody. Yeah, you really got to make sure you choose the right <laughs> person to caretake that story because the director is, has so much control over. Oh, what's absolutely, done. yeah. So, what are some of the things that, um, as as a as a person who really likes to oversee story in that way, what are some of the elements of directing that you kind of geek out about that you're like, oh yeah, as a director, I tend to bring this to projects the most. Uh, I mean, I come from the acting and performing background. Mm. And so when I see like the, like, you know, that perfect performance that I'm yeah. just like, oh my God, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I lose my mind. Uh, um, there was this one um, back in the day, I did a YouTube class. Nice. Um, did not get me anywhere because apparently <laughs> no one knows who I am. Um, but. I did this one thing where I was trying to get some people to, because I also love music a lot. Yeah. Um, I had a thing in mind, like a little channel show thing in mind where I wanted people to, who are singers yeah. to come sing a song that means a lot and then tell a story about like why that mattered. Oh, and cool. one of my amazing friends, Kara, um, she sang a very, very beautiful, sad song. And there was a perfect moment where a tear just went down the side right as she sang the last note. No way. And I was in a handheld <laughs> shot right in front of her face, and I was, like, trying not to, like, fuck it up <laughs> because I'm like, this is the perfect this shot. Is yeah, yeah. This is it. Yeah. And um, so that I just geek out of it. When, like, that performance and, ev- like, it just – it's like, oh, that was it. Uh, that moment for me, I'm like, oh, yeah. this is – yeah. So I, I love – I love it when like you get that 
like because it's also such a privilege for the person who's taking that like capturing that to have someone who's this vulnerable show yes. that side yes. and so like when you get that and you also don't have to ask them to do it again where it's just right. like i don't want to have to ask you to get back to that really raw place again <laughs> right, right, right. we're done you can breathe you know like <laughs> right, right, right. i love i love that yeah um and then just when you see the final product together because i do a lot of editing yeah and um for, uh, when you're on set, you get those perfect performances and you like know that's what you have to do. But sometimes when that doesn't work because everything else before it didn't work, so you can't right. use that shot, breaks my heart. Yeah, breaks yeah, my heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when everything works together and I press play and I watch the whole thing and I'm like, this is, it felt like a movie. And I'm like, yeah. oh wow, this is, this is great. And yeah. so those moments are when I'm just like, I turn into a little child. I'm like, yay. <laughs> that's awesome. I think, I think that, um, my so as a writer i love getting to the emotional places that scenes can get to but my way of getting there is probably not like a, a lot of other writers mm-hmm. how a lot, a lot of other writers would get there because i don't get there by feeling i'm i'm not necessarily a super em- empathetic person mm-hmm. right so what i have to do is i have to like mechanically get people to their the end of their rope via the structure and the scene and how it happens and mm. what you know i have to use all of the techniques to get the emotion and as and i think as a director that's where i would be i would need someone like you mm-hmm. because what you're saying is i just found it i just found the moment and we captured the moment on film and i would yeah. be like cool that's great. Did we also get all of yeah. the things? You know, like I, I would be asking that question. Yeah. And so I think that uh, it's really helpful because as even as we do this audio book and me being the director, I can tell you um, as a director, I can say, well, I don't know that in this scene, this is what's going on. Here are the needs and wants of this character. Here's how they're progressing through the scene. I can give you all of those things. Mm-hmm. But I could not tell you... Uh, how to start to feel the emotion of the scene, right? Mm. I couldn't tell you that. I couldn't tell you. I, I would have a hard time doing that because I've, I've meticulously tried to do that through the writing. Yeah. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, so yes, yes, yes. I think that that would be very difficult for me. So I think that would be an area where, like, if you and I were to collaborate on directing, mm-hmm. it'd probably yeah. be good, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but there's always these, there's always these, these moments where you, when you're collaborating with other people, you do need to choose, like, because Nathan and I have very similar skill sets in that regard. So. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've really loved about the audiobook is having this team of people come in to do reads and then listening to the way that they reacted to it and going, okay, cool. Now I know as a writer what's going on. Now I know as a writer how to how this is actually playing out and whether or not it's actually any good based on how they're playing it out. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, as you were talking to me, I go, oh, he intuits a lot. Mm. Like I can tell you go, you go, oh, I can intuit that this is going to be really powerful or that this is a great moment or whatever mm. I judge. Right. So so what am I looking for? I'm looking for evidence that the thing has actually occurred where mm. you're intuiting that the thing has actually occurred. Yeah. What's what what is very difficult as a creator who uh, who has the I'll, I'll give both examples I the way I think about them and you can tell me what you think. But mm-hmm. if you're an intuiter. If you use intuition, the drawback of using intuition is that when you finally present it to certain audiences, they may go, 
I don't know what you were intuiting, but I'm not feeling what you wanted me to feel. Yeah. Right. That's the drawback of that skill, that, of that um, persona type. Mm-hmm. For for the person who uses judging, which really hard is, you have to go. I don't know if this is good or not until I show it to somebody and they tell me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I don't have another way of easily doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard for me to. I need to step back and then observe as opposed to know that I'm feeling it in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's interesting you have to how you have to adapt to your personality prototype pro- you really profile. do yeah and i yeah. think it's good to know where those shortcomings are yeah. so that you know like when you're asking people for their input you know what you're looking for specifically totally, totally. because i think for me i, I mean I, I was fortunate enough that when i first moved out here my first year mm. i worked in the production side of film production. Oh, okay. So I yeah. was, um, I started off as an assistant production office coordinator, nice. went to second, second assistant director to second assistant director to production coordinator. So yeah, like yeah. it was my job to be like, here's the checklist. Did you get this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> then let's go get it. You know, <laughs> right, like, right, right. or even something as simple as where are we getting lunch from producer? And yeah. if the producer's like, we don't know then I'm like, okay, well, we have to be ready to serve by this time, so yeah. let me know. And if you don't have a solution, I will find something. Just give me your credit card because <laughs> it's not coming out of my pocket. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, I think because I had that and I had an amazing producer I worked for, um, and she, like, she kicked mom butt. Oh, like, really? She was really, really good at what mm. she did. Mm. Uh, she does. She still works in that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, like I honestly, a lot of these productions would have fallen apart without her. Oh wow! And she worked with a lot of people who were the like more the intuitive type. Yeah. That didn't have that like parameter of what do I need to do to make sure that it's actually all there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can exactly. geek out about one thing, but then if you don't get everything else, then you don't have a production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. and so I think because I worked with her when it comes to this side, yeah. I'm a little bit more of like. I'm more aware of like, okay, I have my moment. I'm done. I can keep moving on. Yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of like, oh, that's it. That's it. You know, yeah, and you yeah, just yeah, tap yeah. out. Um, so I think like in that respect, it was really helpful to have someone like her yeah. really coach me through that process. That's actually now that you say that, um, we had these. So what I like to, I, I was I was part of. Um, I, I went to a uh, an event. It was sort of like a pseudo church event, actually. Um, and also went to a conference at the church event. I'm sitting across from one of the speakers who I didn't know was a speaker at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and he he sat. And I was sitting next to this other guy and just the three of us. And he, the speaker says to us, "Do you know what your purpose is?" Right? And I go, "Okay, that's an interesting question." And he goes, "You should be able to define your purpose in five words." And I go, "Oh, oh whoa, intense." Well, well, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. So. Then I go to this conference, and at the conference, it's more of a, like a YouTube influencer conference. Shout out to um, Sean Cannell because he does a really good job with YouTube growth videos and stuff like that. He's a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. He's running this conference, and he goes, you should define what you want for your channel because it's YouTube-focused, but for your business, really. You should define what you want to be the best in the world at. Okay? So I'm sitting here, and I'm like, okay, I just got the same message in a two-week period Ugh. from two different people. Yeah. So I should probably think about this, right? Yeah. And I, I love that you bring that up because I had this experience. As you talk about that, I had the experience of basically saying, I am a steward of story. Mm. And we for this production company, that fits perfectly. I am the steward of the story. 
And that's why I can put on the producer role. That's why I can put on the writer role. But I'm hoping that I, over time, can hand off, like, now you're the writer. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to help you steward this story. Or you're the director, and mm-hmm. I'm going to help steward this story to completion. And I, and I and I now that you've mentioned that role that that lady played, mm-hmm. right? And and how she did it, I can just think of times when I was doing some of those same things. And I go, oh, interesting. That's really interesting. So thanks for helping me discover no, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's really absolutely. Cool. And I would and I would recommend to people too. I was having this uh, conversation with um, a mutual friend of ours, Marianne Holland, who oh, plays yeah. another one of the narrator. Uh, roles in is this. She... She's Audrey. Oh. Yeah. She's awesome, too. Hi, Marianne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marianne hasn't done the podcast with me yet. I really want her to, but she hasn't oh. done it yet. Um, we didn't have time. But uh, I was having this conversation with her, and I think for anybody who is interested in being in the creative field, I do think that that question applies to a lot of people. I don't think you always have to term the question as what do you want to be the best in the world at? Because yeah. that's a little extreme. That gets very into that like, well, I'm not the best at everything. Exactly so then right. Why even try? Exactly right. And, and by the way, if you are going to ask yourself that question, one of the things I had to do was I had to go, well, I'm not going to be ever the John Favreau of story stewardship, right? Because mm-hmm. like he does that, he's excellent at it, he's world class at it, right? Oh yeah. I'm probably not going to be that. So I had to, I had to niche down. <laughs> like yeah. I, in this niche, I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be the best in the world. And it's a strive goal, right? It's not like I'm, the, I'm not, not that today. I can't claim to be that no, today. No. But it's a strive goal. But um, so you can niche down. You don't have to ask yourself. If you're going to ask yourself the question, you can say, well, what is it in my specific niche that I can provide that probably other people were not created to do, if you believe you're created or evolved, whatever you want to say, um, but that I can bring to the table, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that question, what is your purpose and what do you want to be the best in the world at? Niching down, so it's not like you're like, you know, I want to be the best <laughs> director. It'd be like, really? Because there's yeah. a lot of amazing <laughs> directors out there, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyways, I, I would highly recommend that people think about that because Marianne and I were talking about it and I thought, yeah, it would be interesting to apply that question to yourself as an actor oh, or yeah. as a director or as a, what kind of movie do you want to be the best in the world at directing? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. Uh, I just think that that's, uh, or net movie, TV show, you know, program, whatever. Anyways. Yeah. I digress. Um, <laughs> what are some of the projects that you've worked on in the past that you would direct people to that you've kind of helped steward or like, are there anything that you point people to at this point? I mean, uh, there are a couple, um, I mean, on my website, I recently just put up most of the shorts that I've done. Oh, perfect. Um, one in particular was uh, one that we've actually been able to take, we can say all over the world. Um, it's <laughs> nice. mostly here in Europe, but um cool. It was um, that was one of the first ones where I didn't actually write the screenplay, uh, and um, the writer who was also the producer was in the sh- the short. So cool, it was a cool, very cool. personal story for him, but it was a um, it was um, kind of a story that was told through the perspective of the dog oh. when it was dealing with grief because he was oh, just no uh, he the. Uh, his name is Danny Bernardo. Shout out to Danny. Um, What's up, Danny? He uh, became a dog dad recently. Uh, at, at that point, at yeah, that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, 
the the entire story was a very personal story that mm. he um, wrote from um, some people from his uh, community in Chicago, ah. and um, so it was it was definitely a very personal story, and it was that we often think of grief as it just being about people, but animals also grieve, mm. and um, so this particular story was about. Um, um, a guy who his his husband passed away. Okay. Um, we don't specify what from, but we yeah. just it's it's tragedy. It happens. Was, yeah, yep. it happens suddenly. And um, the main character Gordon was at, he's actually allergic to the dog, but oh, no now way. he's left to take care of this dog, and they're both going through the grieving process. Oh. So um, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> as a as a as a corgi owner. Oh I, uh, man, I would I would be. This movie sounds like it was it was something I should watch and cry to. <laughs> it was it was definitely a tearjerker. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean it was such a blessing for me because um, it was his dog, uh, and so we didn't have to go through the process of getting a show dog yeah, or anything yeah, yeah, because, yeah. and I mean there were very few things where we had to do that with very like we need you to do this now. Yeah, um, and this was one of those moments where I was like, just give me the camera. Danny, do your own shit. I'm going to just get my camera and just look at the dog and figure out, okay, what can I use? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you, uh, if you don't have a professional animal on set, you just have to get go work with what you got. Totally. And originally, before we actually got on set, when we were talking about it, we were going to get a, a professional yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, it was he described this dog as you know a small dog yeah his dog is not small <laughs> so when we decided to use his dog padfoot uh-huh. we're like okay well this changes a lot of things yeah because um, the end of the movie like we're supposed to have him um in like a little box he like climbs into a box right when it was a small dog that's fine yeah, yeah when it's yeah. a big dog in a box i'm like how big is this box gonna be <laughs> and how are we gonna keep him in there yeah totally um, so it, it was it was nice that like he was um yeah he really helped with that yeah and it really is a um i think it was kind of one of the perfect examples for me because um it was a story that was very personal and yeah. it showed a facet of like you know some kind of love that we don't talk about, which is, you know, the, I mean, we show the animal human love all the time, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. in this way where we talk, we show humans grieving over a lost animal, but we right. don't show an animal grieving over a lost human. Yeah. That's a really unique take. Yeah. yeah. And also just, you know, like it was, it was, um, a queer couple, but it didn't mean that it was, that was the focus, you know, that right, was, right, right. that doesn't come up much right? other than the small things where he's on the phone talking to like the bank being like, well, we have to work on certain things because of like the different status. Oh, yeah, it was like yeah, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tax stuff um, or whatever. Yeah. yeah that yeah, yeah. people don't really think about sometimes. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but other than that, like it was more just about a story about grief yeah, and loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we, with that, you know, we, since it was, Danny is uh, Filipino American. Mm. So like we made sure that um, most of the, like all the lead characters, all mm. the lead cast members are all people of color. Oh, cool. The people behind the scenes working on like um, most of the people helping out on set were all women. Uh, and so it was very much like we try to get since we had the control of the, like the power. Yeah, to do that, totally. We're like, yeah. just let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, so even if it even if like not necessarily all of that shows on on camera, like yeah. it still does because of uh, who we decided to put in front of the camera. But like, it was just so nice to have an entire process where we're like, we did what we can with um, trying to give people opportunities totally. that we, we could, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's awesome. So, 
So let's talk about that because I like that. Well, first of all, before before I before I dive into that, um, what's the website? Oh, it's um, Tim J, like the letter J, okay. Lim hyphen films dot com. Tim J Lim hyphen films dot com. Yes, don't Perfect. spell out hyphen. Just the little dash. <laughs> Just the little that dash. dash. Just the actual hyphen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here, I'm going to ask you this. Tim and I did not prep anything for this. And so no. I'm going to spring this question on Ooh. him without him even knowing. Ah. Um, so we talked about this a little bit on the podcast that you were here when Ray when Ray Holdridge was here. Um, but I want to follow up on it just a little bit because uh, I love the I love this the concept of Hollywood becoming more diverse and for the productions to be far more diverse in nature. Mm-hmm. But I say that as a white guy, right? <laughs> like like it is what it is, and it's a, and, and a white guy who wants to write and produce and 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 be inclusive. But how how would you um, how does it feel? For a person of color to join a cast that intends to be a diverse cast, for a cast that has placed a person of Korean descent in the lead role, written by a white guy though, mm-hmm. like how does that? How does that? Totally honest, because you're not going to offend me. <laughs> um, how does it feel? How does it? How does it? How do you approach those kind of things? How does it matter how you approach those kind of things? How does it matter that the producer and the writer approach those kind of things? Like, mm. what is your take on those things? Um, with this per- project in particular, I think it's pretty darn cool. Mm. Um, I think it gets dicey when it becomes like, well, this is um, like I want to write about that person's experience. And it's about their culture and things, and I'm just doing research, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, that's when you start to lose some of the authentic parts. Um, yep. This project uh, specifically has, you know, it's it's steampunk sci-fi. Yeah. You can tweak it, you know, right, um, right, right, and right. it's not talking about an actual country called Korea, you know, right. because <laughs> in right. this, it doesn't really exist. Right. Exactly. Um, or at least in the form that it is in our world, you know? Right, and, right. um, but I think what I love about it is that like the, it's so easy to change those decisions that mm-hmm. started off as like, a, this would be a good thing to do, but eh, you know, we can't find someone who's Korean. Well, we'll change it. You know, it's right. so easy. It's so right, easy right. to do that, but, um, it's nice that you chose not to. Yeah. Uh, there are so many people, a lot of, um, uh, my, actor friends who are of various Asian descents, like going to different projects when they're like, oh, it's about, it's going to be about a Vietnamese family. It's about a Korean family. And then after rounds of that, they're like, oh, they decided to go in a a different direction. Uh, And uh, because it's just that easy to do if they really wanted to. Right, right, Um, right. So I think it is um, whenever any um, producer specifically chooses to stay true to um, even when it's a voice, when you don't yeah. see them, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of my favorite stop motion films is Kubo and the two strings. Oh, yeah, yeah. However, it's a completely white cast. <laughs> right, like right. I love that film to death. <laughs> right, right, right. You could have found, yeah. you're not, you know, like it wasn't like, Oh, everyone's going to watch this stop motion film because Charlize Theron's in it, you know, right. they're watching it for the story. So in those cases, you can take that risk, right. but sometimes you know it's not in the creative's controls. You know, sometimes yeah. X Y. I get it. I understand. Yeah, yeah. But there are the people who choose to fight for that. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, you know, at some point for me, it's really just like 
gratitude because yeah. it's so hard to find that nowadays. Mm. Like there are um, a couple, there's a, sh fil a feature film that I've been working on mm. trying to get it made. And um, someone asked me, because this character specifically, the lead actor, needs to be able to speak Korean and English ah. fluently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, why don't you just get someone who um, doesn't speak it well and just teach them? Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can. <laughs> right. Um, it might not sound right because it's supposed to be X, Y, Z. And they're like, okay, but what if you like got um, someone who's Chinese who may know? And I was like, they don't, first yeah. off. And yeah. also, like, the whole point is that this person is Korean. Yes. And um, it just seems like for so many people, it's so easy to be like, well, why don't you get that person? Because that's, like, one of the right. one Asian actors that people know of. Exactly. Like, it just it doesn't <laughs> So, like, when people really take the effort to do it correctly, yeah, I'm like, Thank you. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, possible. Yeah. It's not that it's super difficult. If you right. have the money and funding behind it, you can do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think like when it comes to um, a role that is specific for someone who's Korean, like I'm very happy that you chose to go with someone who was actually Korean. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be me. Like I'm not saying right, thank right, you right, for right. giving it to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, like I was um, called once. I don't even know how this happened because I don't have an agent. Ah. But um, someone called me and was like, hey, um, so I'm calling from, it was one of the bigger animation studios. I won't say who. Oh, nice. But it was like yeah. an animation. They were like, we're doing this animated feature um, and it requires singing. Mm. So we know you sing. Yeah. Um, but the lead character is supposed to be a Chinese man. Uh. Could we have you? And I'm like, just so you know, I will audition for you, but I'm not Chinese. Right. Like I lived in China and I can speak Mandarin, but I am not Chinese. Yeah. And um, so I sent in a tape and like, yeah. I don't know like what I would have done if they were like, hey, we want you to do it. Yeah. Because at that point I'm kind of <laughs> right. like, it's it's a, it, that becomes a concerning thing for me. It's like, yes. do I take it because yes. of the money and exposure or right. do I say, there are plenty of Chinese actors out there who can sing. Yeah. And they'd be so much better for this job. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like, and I think it's hard to explain that to people. Totally. When people are like, well, like, you know, it doesn't really matter because you guys, like, if you can sell it, then you can sell it. Right, you know? right. But I think like when it comes to people who are underrepresented, that really does matter yeah. because you want to get that right so that it can be normalized. Totally. So totally. Yeah. yeah so uh, I, that's. I think that that's great. That's a great perspective to have on it. I, I. It's. It's been interesting because when we started the process, we wanted to uh, attempt wherever possible to get uh, actors that fit the uh, ethnicity race profile. And obviously there's, 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 um, there's exceptions to that because like you said, it's a fantasy uh, science fiction um, steampunk uh, world. And so I've always been of the mind that the story has to make sense based on the inputs that you feed into the story. Mm -hmm. And so for example, I loved the uh Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. But they didn't just they didn't just say, well, here's been a traditionally Caucasian character, young male Caucasian character. Let's just put a biracial 
you know, African American Puerto Rican character in this role and like not change anything else. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that would not really feel very authentic to your point. Yeah. Right? Like, it'd feel like, well, it just feels like you just were trying to check a box and therefore, but that, that movie doesn't do that at all because it actually says, well, it's not supposed to be Peter Parker anymore. It's supposed yeah. to be Miles Morales. And mm-hmm. Miles Morales doesn't come from this, he comes from a similar area as Peter does. He has, uh, a similar family in that, um, well, not 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 that similar because he actually has a mom and dad. Who whereas um, Peter's yeah. living with Aunt May, right? Mm-hmm. So so it's they did the their due diligence in saying this is not the same character. Yeah, and I like that because then it feels authentic to the story. Yeah, and I think um, whatever whatever logic you are building your story on top of. You, you, people have to be able to suspend their disbelief. Yeah. Um, and therefore, like, you know, I did not hire somebody from Ireland to play the Irish character that we have. We hired Ben, our mm-hmm. friend Ben, our mutual friend Ben. Yeah, Ben. Um, and Ben does an Irish accent. But again, this character doesn't, wouldn't even know what Ireland was, yeah. right? It's just he's descended from this group. So I, I won't say that we're perfect at it because I think perfection is impossible but wherever possible we do try to fill the roles it was interesting though as a producer because i I had this conversation with anastasia in fact you can watch that video on this channel if i haven't posted it already it'll be up there at some point (laughs) and with anastasia anastasia is biracial Mm -hmm. and very clearly in our story the character that anastasia plays is described as having dark skin She's African American. Uh, she's an, again. She's a spiritual being. So a mockingbird. Right? Mockingbird. Yeah, yeah. You interact with mockingbird all the time. So again, we're dealing with fantasy elements here. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I told Anastasia this um, before we started recording the podcast. Even I'm like, I realize that even now, reflecting back on it, I realize it's a little tropey to have the spiritual advisor to Flint's, you know, Flint as a character, be. African American because that's kind of tropey in Hollywood. I get that, um, and I and I and I uh, you know I don't want to uh, I don't want to um, feed into tropes or stereotypes. But yeah. sometimes it's like I want a character that looks different than everybody else, and I want a character to interact in a, in a way that's different than everybody else. Yeah, and this is just what ends up happening. But it was it was difficult as a as a producer. Because Anastasia's read was awesome. Mm-hmm. And we auditioned a lot of people for the role. Um, and it was like, oh, well, we live in such a complex environment and in such a complex world because if you were to look at Anastasia, she doesn't look like the character. Mm-hmm. She can bring everything to the character, but but it's almost not fair to Anastasia because Anastasia is biracial. So does the character have to be biracial? Because then, then, then we were talking about cutting the number of roles way down. Yeah. That someone can. So it's a difficult topic. I, I think the thing to do as a producer, this is just my opinion, um, the thing to do as a producer is to do your best at being inclusive, realize you're probably not going to be perfect, but also have conversations along the way. Yeah. So that it can be as authentic as possible. And so that every and so that you're not trying to be like, I'm gonna try and hide the fact that you know that th- we all we chose, you know, like not to call not to call out Kubo. It's a great it's a really good movie, <laughs> but like we chose all what I mean or every Disney movie that existed before the yes. <laughs> before the year yes, 2000, yes, right? Yes, yes. Like we we, oh, we did all white <laughs> actors for all these roles that are not white roles. Um, I do think that hopefully we're far enough along in our storytelling acumen 
to say if because this is what I believe. I believe if I bring Tim into the role as Flint, mm-hmm. let's just take you and Ben for example. I could bring Ben into that role and say like, "Hey Ben, can you just read?" And by the way, you're of Korean descent. Ben is not of Korean descent, just for the for, for context. <laughs> uh, he did a podcast with me too, so you can watch that one. Um, you, you can just look at him, and you'll know he's not of Korean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could do that, but as the producer, I feel like I actually lose something. Yeah. Right. Like I get it's fanciful. Yeah, I, I get it's fanciful. But one of the reasons we made this character of Korean descent is because we're dealing with an alternate world. The reason that Flint's character is so isolated as he begins the story is because, he, partially because, he is of Korean descent. Mm-hmm. So now, I don't know what it's like to be of Korean descent, right? <laughs> but I can imagine saying, what if you took a person of one ethnicity or race and stuck them in an environment where nobody else is that? Yeah. I mean, I grew up, I grew up uh, homeschooled. So okay. most of the people that I encounter were not homeschooled. Every once in a while, I'll run into one, right? Mm-hmm. So I can start to feel isolated if some people are like, well, we're going to our high school reunion this year. Well, guess what, man? Like, my high school yeah. reunion is me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there's nobody else. It's me looking in a mirror. So I, I, I so as a, a writer... It's a fun time. <laughs> it is a fun time. It's great. Uh, but as a writer, I can draw upon what isolation feels like. But the role will not be complete if it is a Korean role unless you... You know what isolation feels like from your context, bringing mm-hmm. it into that role, also with some of the other things relative to that character. Yeah, I think that like it definitely plays a huge part. Is like I mean it, that's um, comes down to um, it's a lot of trust that happens mm. because like mm. you like at some point like if you're setting something up for certain things, you have to trust that the people you hand it off to are, they're going to know what to do with it. Right. Right, Exactly. And, um, it's like in this story, like you're not addressing any cultural things. You're addressing something that is thematically universal. Yes. But I think you chose to say like, well, this adds that layer that, and like you choosing to hand that off is, you know, it is that act of trust. Right. Um, and without that trust, uh, you don't actually end up getting a lot of good products because if yeah, it's one exactly. person not trusting anybody else, then yeah. you get that person's story and that's it. Um, and I think that was one of the things, especially with this piece, that was so beautiful was that it was a lot of trust that you're giving a lot of people mm. to say, like, this is what I'm feeling, but I know like how this comes across to you is going to be different. So let's let's play with that and let's see what happens, um, because it is that acknowledgement of you know every experience that everybody goes through is right. similar enough so that we can be unified with it, but then also so vastly different that it offers different perspectives and different right. facets. Right, right, right. And um, so I think like the way that you approached this particular project was not a gimmick. You know, it's not a gimmick where you're, or like a token where it's like, well, we need to have some diversity in here. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Because we like it. It happens where they're like, oh, we need to have, you know, we need to have a gay. You know, and yeah. I'm always like, stop doing that. You know, like we're people. <laughs> right, right, Just right, right. treat us the like people. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think like it, it, it's huge. It's definitely that part where it's like, um. I, I know where like you you know where isolation comes from in you and let's let's see how that 
looks like in somebody else exactly. and what they do with it, you know, yeah. and you're not, you're not policing that. You're not trying to turn it into something. Yeah. Um, it's like, you're letting me, you know, take and run with that. Yeah. And which has been, it's very liberating, you yeah. know? And, um, in a way that definitely is something that I feel like is, um, how I feel championed when people are trying to be like, how can we help? Okay, you know, cool. um, it's like, Like allyship in general, when it's like coming to anybody of um, like oppressed or uh, marginalized areas, yeah. allyship can be tough because um, you can't call yourself an ally unless the people who are in the margins call you an ally. Ah, uh, yeah. Because yeah, if yeah. you're like, it's the I'm woke. Totally. What do I? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can think you're woke, but I can look <laughs> right. at you and say absolutely not. Yeah, 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 totally. But, like, if you stick your neck out on the line, not even because you want to say I'm an ally, but just because you feel like that's what you need to do. Right. And that's something that helps me. Then I can be like, you know, he's he's going to put his money where his mouth is. Right, right, right. You know, right. so many people won't. And, yeah. But they'll still – it feels good to say that you're an ally. Yeah. But, like, let's say even if we're talking about the queer conversation in churches. Yeah. How many people are willing to put their entire pastoral career on the line to right. say we were wrong? Yeah, you know, right. people won't do that right. easily, at least. Right. And um, it's and like people aren't doing, and the people who choose to do that aren't doing that to be like I'm an ally. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right, no, right. that's what they believe is right, and they're yes. going to still live by that. Yes, and that's when uh, so it's it's a tricky thing when people are um, like when people don't know how to do that. Like I think it really is like. What what's what's the most you can do? Yeah. Um. And if the most you can do is just actually sit there and listen, that's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah. yeah and yeah. um. In this particular case, if it's like if all I can do is pr turn this person into a Korean character, give it to someone who's actually Korean and let them run with it. Yeah. That's sometimes all you can do, and that's sometimes more than enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's about creating that space and handing off that power that empowers the people who don't have it. Totally. So. Well, let me let me say this because I um, I bring up the question more so to get your perspective on it, not because like I would never in a million years actually call myself an ally of mm -hmm. because it, because it's not it's not part of it's not part of my perspective, but it's not part of my perspective because my perspective is not coming from where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So so let me tell you how I get to this place. Of where I where I want to be with story. I believe very firmly that, well, first of all, and everyone who listens to my podcast knows this, but I believe very firmly that there is such a thing as a life after this one. Mm -hmm. That there's something that comes later, right? Mm -hmm. I believe that in that life that, of something that comes later, all of the current tribal structures will not exist mm -hmm. right so 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 for me for me when i think about story the end of my story the end of my personal story like like go as personally as deep and as soulful as you can think the end of my story is that tim and i are in the same place in the same tribe regardless of what skin color we have mm -hmm. regardless of whatever else right we're all together mm -hmm. so if that's the case then what I have to do is, as a storyteller, I have to go, I want to tell stories that get us to a place 
where we are thinking in deep, meaningful ways about the world around us mm -hmm. so that people are, when we collaborate, we're collaborating with that end goal in mind. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then when I start to feed into a story, I go, okay, now what's good for the story? This is why I would say like, I'm not, I don't consider myself an ally in any way because mm -hmm. instead I'm not necessarily thinking, how can I raise everybody else up? Not, yeah. That's not my intent. My uh -huh. intent is that's where we're going. What does this story have to say that gets us closer to what, what and then by the way, that's a lot more than just ethnic and racial diversity. There's all oh, kinds yeah. of things that go into what I just described. Yeah. So if the case is, we're going to deal with stories. Stories, by definition, deal with conflict. Mm -hmm. What am I butting up against? What is your character butting up against? What are What is Ben's character dealing with? Uh, you talked about the story of uh, a, uh, a dog dealing with grief and its owner, its new owner, dealing mm -hmm. with grief. Well, Audrey in our story, played by Marianne. That's her arc. She's dealing with grief, mm -hmm. right? Um, okay, that that character is dealing with grief. Your character is dealing with isolation. Um, Deckard's character is dealing with desperation. Mm -hmm. De Deckard is uh, Timothy Prindle's character. And then I go, okay, so these are the characters in this story. These are the elements that they're dealing with. We want to get to a place where everyone's together. But some people don't want to see that as the end goal in mind. And they'd rather have conflict as opposed to taking down the tribes and all being in one Mm -hmm. amazing place together right uh some people would rather not have equality some people would rather have inequality because they want to win over other people yeah okay so let's put some of those characters in the story too right <laughs> and then and then uh and then how do all these characters deal with one another and then i think the next step for for me i'm taking up too much of this podcast i want to get back to you <laughs> but the next step for me is to then say not only am i casting a korean character because if I were to say I'm casting a – sorry, not only am I casting a Korean actor in this Korean character's role, mm -hmm. it's different. It's more than that because I didn't just cast a 35, 38, 45-year-old grizzled Korean cowboy. Mm -hmm. I cast Tim. <laughs> so now Tim comes into the role and says, okay, I say to you, Tim – I want you to do this role. I want to trust this role and trust this role to you. I like the word trust because so, mm -hmm. now I'm relying upon you to deliver the role. And then mm -hmm. you say to me, awesome, here's kind of who I am. And then I go, okay, cool. If that's you and this character, what can I do to the character so that it even draws you into the role even more mm -hmm. so that you can bring your level of experiences into the role as well? So one of the things, I, just, I bring this up because we always kind of laugh about it, is – the original character in this story was a grizzled, very Western character. Mm -hmm. Not that they needed to be. That's just what it was written as, yeah. right? And when you read for the role, I'm like, I love Tim's read. I'd love to have Tim in here. And, by the way, you you present a very different character than what Timothy Prindle presents. Yeah. So we don't use the word ain't for you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we change it so that you say isn't. Why? Now, why would we do that? Because you don't have the same background, you don't have the same influences mm -hmm. that some of the other characters would have. And it just so happens that that works really well with your voice, with your delivery, with your, you, you bring a very emotional, emotion-filled performance to the role in a very complex way. Mm -hmm. Well, 
a very emotion-filled, complex emotional role is not likely in this time frame to say ain't. That's just not that's just not the case, right? Mm -hmm. Like they probably wouldn't do that. And so we had to we we adjust because it's best for the story. Mm -hmm. Because if we're going to entrust you with with helping us tell this story. I should live into that in the writing and in the producing and in the directing and say, no, I've entrusted Tim to this. And the best result we can get from Tim is a different result than we had originally intended to get, but it makes the project better because of it. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my perspective on it. Yeah. And I think like, you know, there is something definitely to be said, especially with um, writers, because like sometimes you'll hear it one way in your head and then the actor says, says it and you're like, that doesn't sound right for you. <laughs> right. Exactly. It. Not because you're doing a bad job. It's exactly. just, Unless we get you a vocal coach and we get you like an accent coach or something like yeah. it's just not the vernacular you tend to use. So like yeah. why like can why we can just shape that to fit you. Yeah, you know? exactly. exactly. Um, so I think that's like for me that was, you know, like I don't use ain't. <laughs> right, um, right, right. I do use y'all all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just because sometimes instead of saying you all. Yeah. I was like well, I don't think so. So it's not. And too, let me just let me just say, just for clarity's sake, too, it's not that you couldn't do it. No, but yeah, like it's you know what I mean. Like it's not yeah. that you couldn't do it. You could definitely do it, and we mm -hmm. could we could work on it together and figure out how to do it. What it's more about is saying, because Tim was hired. Yeah. I can't. I want to re envision the character. Mm -hmm. Not, and I think this is the best that storytellers can do because as a writer, you could approach the project and say, because you know, in the, in Hollywood, it, it depends on what you're doing. If it's a short, you probably wrote it or one of your friends wrote it or whatever and you're all doing it together. Yeah. But, but a lot of times in Hollywood, the writer has zero control over what happens after they hand it off, right? So to assume that I would say my writing is the best possible story that would appear irrespective of everybody else we bring onto this project, in my opinion, would be a foolish idea, right? So I should adapt creatively to whoever we're bringing on as opposed to assuming it doesn't change the vision. It doesn't change the outcome. It doesn't change what the story is about, but it changes how the characters deal with each other in the story. Yeah. And in my opinion, it makes it more interesting. Yeah. So again, enough about me. T <laughs> talk, talk to us a little bit about, um, you were telling me that you were applying for some uh, schools where you can do an MFA specifically in directing. Mm -hmm. um, what do you hope to gain from some of those, from some of those learnings and those connections? And what are you hoping that you can take away with you? Um, for, I didn't really get into, um, I mean, I had the idea that I wanted to be in the film industry when I was like a senior in high school, Okay, but we didn't have anything like that around. Yeah, I was yeah. in a small, like, like my class size I graduated uh -huh. with a class of eight students okay and um it was in China it's an international Christian school like yeah yeah you're yeah. not gonna find a film program there you know and <laughs> right, um right. so which is why like when I find a whole bunch of my classmates having had that experience they had an AV club they had like they were making films right. growing up right um I just I started catching up when I got to college got it so um whenever I'm um when I was in college, story was, for me was like always the number one. Mm. Like I always mm. wanted to focus on story. I wanted to focus on the actors. Yeah. That's what I wanted to focus on. 
all the technical things I had zero clue about. Uh, so it was a lot of catch up when it came to like, let's figure out how to use a damn camera <laughs> and like, right, how right. does this cut together and all that. So it, a lot of my attention was spent um, figuring out how to even tell that story visually. Yeah. And so I honestly like, I met some amazing people in school. I did some projects that I'm definitely proud of while I was in school. Yeah. But I didn't know how to really hone in on that mm. until I did my own work outside of school, like uh, after school was over. Yeah. But I feel like I should have had that. I wish I could have had that in high school yeah. and got into my undergraduate with that in mind. Uh. So I um, now that I've been doing a lot of my own stuff um, and I've been actually I've worked in so many different facets of production. Yeah. So I've done the production office side. I've yep. done the on set just go for type. Yep. I've done assistant hair and makeup for special effects, yep. all that stuff. Like I've done a lot of different things around set and sure. I edit freelance a lot. Yeah. Um I, w I shouldn't say a lot because it's not like enough for me to get a DBA, but like right, right, right. spare change, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so like given all of that, I feel like it was much easier for me to um, think about grad school mm. in a way that could be actually helpful for me. Yeah. So um, what I have, what's been really difficult for me, I've been out of school since 2013. Okay. Um, I don't really have access to a lot of the jobs that I want to get. Yeah. Because I didn't first tackle the very, very entry-level jobs when I first yeah. got out of college. Right, 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 right. Um, and if you go back now, it's like starting all over from scratch. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of times they don't want you when you're when you're this – it's crazy that I say old yeah. because I'm not. But <laughs> right, like right, right, right. seven years out of people who are starting, you know, like that – that makes a difference. Oh, totally. And so, like, if I'm unable to get those entry-level jobs, just, like, kind of figure out how to get myself into the industry a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I don't have money to make my own projects to get myself, like, actually into the working director status. Yeah. Then there's not a lot of options for me. Totally. So one of the big things that I set as, like, my 2020 goal is I just want to qualify to be able to get into one of those emerging director programs. Yeah. If you look at those qualifications, like you have to have either like I think you have to sell a feature, oh, um, okay. or um, direct TV already, okay, or have a short in a top tier festival, which includes Sundance, mm. TIFF, Cannes. Sure. And I'm like, cool. You know, I'll get on that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't take that many shorts. You know, yeah, like it's totally. not a, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. And the people who tend to get into those festivals, they have like see the celebrities in there they've spent like fifty thousand dollars and i'm totally. like i can barely pay rent yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> right, when right, am right. i gonna have um enough money to get someone to do my own right. stuff unless i'm in school yeah and so when i'm in school and i have and i'm surrounded by people who are also choosing to come back to school right not even just going through their bachelors but coming back for an mfa yeah to to be an editor, to yep. be a cinematographer, or to be a composer, yeah. um, then like that's kind of the perfect place to say, we have three years right. where we're doing this together, right. so let's make a shit ton of shit, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, when, especially with a school that has a lot of good resources, right. you can really start to make things that will be something that you can eventually, you know, find yeah. a job with. Yeah. Um, and if 
not just that, but like all the people teaching at these schools. Mm. Um, like if I w go to an MFA program, I didn't want to just go. I'm not going for the degree necessarily. Totally. I'm going for the experience for the people and for the yeah. connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like it's like I wouldn't want to go to like my undergrad's master program if they had a film program, which they don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't want to do that because I'm not it's uh, that kind of defeats the purpose totally. for me yeah totally uh and this is by no means me being like that's beneath me you're right 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 it's right. No, just no. for what's worth my money yeah um if i'm paying for yep. this education it had better be for something that i can eventually turn into a career totally you know? like my my like i would be so happy if i could um you know be a paid director yeah to the point where I can have all my automatic bills on my checking account yeah. and not have to worry about it. Yeah, right, right, right. Because right now I'm like, when is that coming up? Okay, <laughs> let's see. How much do I have in my account? Let's, yeah, exactly. Like, if I could just do that in, on auto pay, yeah. listen, that would just be the dream where I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I, um, I used to work at a university. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but... I think uh, one of the mistakes that, and I would say this for younger filmmakers who are, you know, trying to break into the industry, there's really two ways of going about it in terms of what I can tell, and this is most industries. Mm -hmm. uh, you could look at this any in any industry, same thing. One is to figure out who you need to be in relationship with, what experience you need to have in order to. What else? I'll call it um, play the game of the industry, mm -hmm. right? So if you want to be uh, an international banker, right? Guess what? You're going to have to start on the lowest rung of international banking, and you're going to need to figure out how to make your way up the rungs to the top of international banking. Yeah. Um, the other option you have available to you is to go the extreme entrepreneurial route where you say, I'm not going to live into the existing structures except to play with them the way I need to play with them in order to make this work. But I'm actually going to try and break down some of the existing structures in order to make a difference in the way I want to make a difference. There's only there's only really those two ways of doing it, I think. Now, obviously, there are hybrids. Yeah. Like, like for example, you could get to the point where you climb enough rungs where you go, okay, I'm established enough that now I can go break down this particular door because I have the clout to be able to do it. Right? Yes. So there's that option as well, but I think um, I think that if you're gonna do the like you just described, you actually described it really well. You said I don't have the money to do the thing I the things I want to do to make it the entrepreneurial way, but I do have the skills, I have the the ability, I have the talent. So now I just need to break in via the relationships, showcasing my talent through like your school. I think the mistake a lot of people make, I've seen, I've seen younger people make this mistake is that they enter programs without the end in mind. And it's like, well, if you don't know what the, what end you want, you're going to mess around through your whole experience and not end up where you want to end up, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's really smart. Thank you. I mean, it doesn't you don't need validation from me. <laughs> I'm just saying it seems really smart. Um, but I mean, you'd be surprised the amount of people who are like, you really want to do grad school? And I'm like, no, I just want to spend $120,000 just for <laughs> right, fun. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And this, at yeah. one point I like asked um, an alumni page being like, 
hey, I got my first grad school like interview. Does yeah. anyone have any um, advice for me? And yeah. like, the first person was like, <laughs> my advice to you is don't do it. It does not make you more marketable. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Like experience is better than blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Not my question, right. but thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks a lot. And also like, I understand that. Right. I know that it doesn't make me more marketable to have an MFA, right. but like I feel like for me personally, and I think for if people are doing this intentionally, right. it does open enough doors where like if grad school is going to be for you, mm. you can make it work. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, if yeah. it's not for you, then it's not for you. I also yeah. like I'm a weirdo and I really love going <laughs> to class. Right. Like I love like uh, they told me at this um, interview today that. Um, the tuition is like a blanket tuition, so uh. I can take as many classes as I want. Oh. And I'm like... All the classes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I can, I didn't ask, can I take an undergraduate animation class? <laughs> but if they let me, I'm going to do it. Totally. But like, um, I feel like uh, if I get a degree, then like if all else fails and I choose to like do something more academic with it, I have that option available now. Yeah. You know, I can, if I feel like I want to do something where I'm writing something or like writing a book, selling yeah. that, like I have an MFA to say, I kind of know what I'm talking about because totally. I've gone through enough education and real life experience totally. to say that I've, I may not have like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be nominated for an Oscar, but right, you know, right, like right. I have at least done this enough to know what I'm talking Absolutely. about. And um, yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. I, 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 one of the reasons I asked the question in that way is because I, um, you know, I think about this. This channel again is all about writing and producing your own works, mm -hmm. and sometimes you get funded to do your own works through the industry and the way the mm -hmm. industry normally does it. The other, the other problem that I've run into, and the reason why we started the Reclamation Society in the first place, is because the stories we want to tell are literally not something that Hollywood would ever do. Yeah. And so, so then, then you're left with, with, with like, well, there's no MFA program I can go to that's going to benefit. I mean, relationships will always benefit you. Yes. But, but the, there's not an MFA program where they're going to teach me. I would love to do more of like a producer's, um, a producer's uh, apprenticeship of some sort, you know, just to get oh my gosh, a feel yeah. for it. But, but in terms of like, like what I'm trying to accomplish – there, the the details of the process. Yes, there are some people who can who can who can invest in us and say like, yeah, this is this is the kind of process that you need to do to be successful. But the part of the process that nobody's doing, where we where we find ourselves, is deep, meaningful fantasy and science fiction stories from a worldview that is does not fit into the Christian movie marketplace but also does not appear in the secular marketplace. And you go, well, there's nobody else doing this. Yeah. So there's not so so I think um I think you have to also figure out where you fit in the industry, what kind of stories you want to tell and if you can be if you can find other people who want to tell those stories and then join their team mm -hmm. or if there's if you're like, yeah, there's a lot of people, but no one's funding them, then you end up like me and you're like, I guess I got to go find funding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because that's just the way that this this all works. Yeah. So it's interesting. It is it is that, like, I mean, it, it it's, that's when it really, like, the entrepreneur brain yeah. has to click in. Exactly. Um, because I just remember, like, so many people in undergrad especially, um, when they're like, well, when we're talking about certain projects, I'm like, but that's just not 
a good like no one's gonna want to watch that <laughs> right 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 because <laughs> it doesn't really make sense to anybody else and they're like but it's for me and that's it and i'm like if that's all that it is yeah make it you don't have to show it to people oh exactly yeah and there's no shame in that not at all but if you're trying to get four million dollars for that project i mean good luck because if it's not going to make any money back then like no one's going to give you that money just because they want to unless they're super rich and they just have that as spare change exactly which if you know those people please contact (laughs) me because i need that and me both of us both of us please well, Tim, uh, we've gone for a, for a, a while now, and yeah. I just want to—I appreciate your time. Appreciate you doing the role. Um, we've got one more session with you before we close it all out. But um, again, uh, list your website so people can go out and check you out, and you know, get so, in touch if they want to. It's uh, Tim J Lim, so T I M, M as in Mary, so T I M, J the letter, L I M as in Mary, hyphen, films dot com. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Jim, Tim J Lim hyphen films films dot com dot yes. com perfect um, and my Instagram is Tim Jim Lim artist <laughs> nice yes. nice very nice well thanks again I appreciate it of course thank you so much for having me this has been great yeah and I'm excited to hear it all done oh I know yeah. we've got a few months left but oh, but eventually you know, eventually. it'll get there <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much yeah of course.